Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to drink a crazy number of beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) This week we are reading One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Kesey. Is that Yep. Kesey, right? And we're starting with this beer, which uh, I didn't bring it. Who brought this one? I brought this. This is Barrier Brewing Company's No Rules. Only recommendations. Lime and coconut India pale ale. 7.2% alcohol. I gotta say, that is a very nice sounding description. Lime and coconut IPA, that could be... Did they mix it all up? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it sounds like it could taste like suntan lotion, or it could be... Ooh, one of my favorites. ...really, really good. Mm. A little more lime than I want. I mean, I don't even... I'm not really getting lime so much as something just a little bit... A little bit tart. But it's not like it's definitely lime. And I don't taste the coconut at all. Yeah, coconut's dead in there. Well, okay, maybe maybe a little bit. Also, the IPA flavor is kind of gone, too. Oh, damn it. Suntan it's lotion. It's not bad. It's definitely better than suntan lotion. It, so it. I hear. <laughs> you don't want to get suntan on your lungs. All right. I mean, this uh, sounded nicer. I agree. As a description. Oh, well. But now we know. It's still pretty decent. It, if this was a Yeah, it's not bad. Day. It just doesn't have any of the descriptions that it is listed as. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a nice whatever it is, but it's nothing like it says on the can. Yeah, they should have. If they had to list the flavors in terms of, um, you know. The flavor. Density of that flavor. Like, the first thing. I mean, lime is pretty potent. That's what I get the most of. And then it would be nothing else because I don't get the other flavors much. Well, that's just me. So, this book came out, I think I want to say 1962. 62, yep. And it, I think it's Ken Kesey's first book. He was actually young. He was under 30 when it came out, which is wow. weird. And you ever see what the guy looked like? Nope. He kind of looks like McMurphy. Um, <laughs> not surprising. You know, ginger? Uh, I don't know if he was a ginger because I've only ever seen footage of him in, in later in life in the 90s when he's a you know, guy in his 50s or early 60s, I guess. Um, he died in 2001. I think he was in his 60s. So maybe... Anyway, he has white hair, but he's like a burly, <laughs> a burly guy. Uh, he looks kind of... You know, it's like a... I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't purport the guy got into fights and stuff like that, but he looks like the kind of guy like I wouldn't want to fuck with him. He's like thick wrists and big shoulders, and he'd beat the dick out of you. Like, I don't know. beat the dick out he'd of you. Beat the dick out of you. Like if there was a dick in you, he would beat it out of you. Yeah, like he would save you. It's exactly what he would. <laughs> he would <laughs> but if you wanted the dick in you, then he'd be a bad man. He'd be cock blocking you. He'd cock block you. Okay, <laughs> but he he looks like a burly kind of guy as as far as I've ever seen. I don't know if he had red hair, but you know, he, I could believe it and. And he's much more famous. He's famous for this, and then the rest of his life, he's famous for just hanging out with the fucking acid tripping people, and like Tom Wolf in the '60s, the Merry Pranksters, when they run around. And you've heard of the Merry Pranksters, no? No. It's a group of fucking acid heads in the '60s in California that went around just like having head trip parties where they'd put a bunch of acid in like a bowl of punch or something like that, and people would get shit faced high or whatever the right word for high is off of that, and then they'd ride around in their fucking psychedelic painted bus to the next town. <laughs> Okay. Like some sort of druggy Robin Hood. No, I don't wonder why he died when he was only in his 60s. Yeah. So that makes sense. But this is his first book and the only book anyone has ever heard of by him. Yeah. I could only name the one other book by him, and I've never read it. Um, but if he didn't, he only wrote one or two other things and just kind of coasted off of this. And he probably did all right because it was a really successful book and made a really successful film. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, no rules, only recommendations is a good description of how the most important character behaves, and that is the character of R.P. McMurphy. Randall? Randall Patrick McMurphy. And he is Irish as fuck. Yep. <laughs> Randall spelled weird, too. Like, like, like Handel? Yeah. Very yeah, strange. That's weird. Look, I think that's, maybe that's to show you that he's from like an uneducated bunch of dummies. Yeah, yeah it could be. Because he kind of is a trash kind of guy, as far as a 1962 audience would have seen him. So before I, we can really explain why he behaves the way he behaves, we've got to talk a little bit more about the premise of the book, which is the entire book takes place in a mental institution. This is in uh, what? Oregon? Oregon. Yep. Oregon. And this is right, this is like in the middle of the 1950s, right? Because McMurphy, he got, he's, he's, he got out of the Korean War. I mean, it's the late 50s, I guess. He, was a, uh, he, was, he got out of the Korean War. He even said he was a, in a prison camp in a POW camp um, at some point and then he gets out and then he's been just wandering around uh, doing odd jobs lumberjacking he's been gambling kind of basically yeah doing a lot of gambling and a lot of anyway he gets arrested he's been in like a work prison kind of thing but he decides to go to the insane asylum he decides to get act crazy so he can get put into the insane asylum so that he doesn't have to work anymore he thinks he can just finish out the rest of his sentence which is only four months 
uh, on a six month bid. Yeah, on a six month bid, and so, but he can do it without having to work every day. That's his plan because he's kind of a little bit of a con man. That's he's, that's his that's how his entire livelihood is based on conning people. Yeah, he he did do some lumberjacking, but his his main thing he's a gambler. He goes around town to town, hustling people, and then fucking underage girls, and then leaving. Yeah, that sums it up. So the book is narrated by Chief Bromden, the uh, to all for everyone else on the book, he is the deaf mute giant half Indian man, not the Asian subcontinent Indian, but the you know. I'll sell you Manhattan for $24 Indian. And some beads. Yeah. And he is he has been on the ward since World War II. And he he's is he six foot eight or something like that? He's six seven. They kind of say both. They say six yeah. seven, they say six eight. Well, so they said he's gotten smaller since he's been in there. Well that's mm. that comes back <laughs> way later. That's for important. Sure. Yeah. I don't know how many six foot seven versus six foot eight people he's you a see in a day. Man. Those are big motherfuckers. He's like three hundred pounds. Oh, he's a big he's like not like sloppy fat, but like big boy. Like he'll fuck you up. But, but he just sweeps all day. But everyone thinks he's deaf and mute. And he is happy to entertain that, so he gets to listen to conversations and go relatively unobserved. And he's conveniently placed in certain, certain parts in the plot. He's conveniently in a place to overhear something. He's like having an omniscient narrator without actually being a real one. But he's, yeah, because no one pays attention to mostly. him. Mostly. <laughs> but he's at once omniscient, but also unreliable. Because yeah, he's, because he's clearly he's crazy. actually crazy. He is crazy, yeah. Which we should get to that later, I guess, at the end of the book. Maybe that's more important. But he narrates it, and the most important thing at the start of the book, after he kind of sets the stage, and he, he talks about the black boys, which is another issue we have to get to. Yeah, but we need a few more beers to get to that. <laughs> and he yeah. talks about the big nurse and all that. It's the arrival of McMurphy. The mm-hmm. new guy on the ward, who is this brash, loud, burly douchebag, asshole. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but somehow also kind of charming. Yeah, and fun, charismatic. That's true. Yeah. Also, because everything is boring as fuck until he got there. Yeah, he shakes everything up, and well, McMurphy doesn't give a fuck about any rules. He barely sees them as recommendations. Actually, but there's mm-hmm. where the beer comes in. Another McMurphy beer. Most of these beers have to do just with McMurphy. He is also a flashy guy, so this beer is called Flashy Ways. This is by Braven, which is in Brooklyn. We had a few of their beers. Maybe the motherfuckers will let us come do our podcast there one day. Too bad we already did Brave New World as a book. Oh, Brave yeah. New World. <laughs> we could do a novelization of Brave by Pixar. Or the novelization of the song Brave by Sarah Bareilles. We could just go see Waitress. The musical, <laughs> just or talk, just talk about, or it. a novel about the Atlanta Braves. Ooh, man! If that existed, we would have done that when we had to think of a baseball book. <laughs> yes, I think you're from right. From about the autobiography of Chipper Jones. Did he even play in the Braves? He was the only guy. Oh no, I'm thinking of Greg Maddox. I don't think those names sound similar. They do in my. Maybe Chipper Jones also played for the Braves. You could be a hundred percent right. I don't remember. I don't he could be no the idea. only player on the Braves. I would not know. Like if he, I, mean, I think if he, he might plays be. all nine positions at once. I'd be like, wow, that guy's really good. He, play, I he plays know. the field. <laughs> so this is a New England IPA. Bold and crafty. Mm. Not bad. It's got like a weird kind of flavor. Maybe I just didn't clean my cup out good, actually. It's a, no, it's a New England IPA, but there is something bitter still at the end. Yeah. Very end, yeah. It's not, fun. It's not bad. It, it is a kind of nice hybrid of the traditional IPA and the New England IPA. But I, I, just, I come to expect them now to be virtually bitter lists yeah. and all just about But this one, is, this one is still kind of bitter. Yeah, it is a bit much. It's fine. You can dig it. And it's in Brooklyn, so mm-hmm. we can get it pretty easily, which is cool. Yeah, I'm down with that. We got we to try to finagle our way into there. So, McKell- uh, McKellar, McMaster. I'm looking at the next McMurphy. beer. McMurphy. McMurphy. I'm thinking of McMaster because Nate said that before. I did. Off, I, I off keep, camera. I, I keep mixing it up, but it's McMurphy. Anyway, McMurphy, excuse me, comes in and he just... Comes and he comes in like he's like entering a party and he's the guest of honor. He's like shaking hands with people. Yeah. And he's like, hey, how's Who's, it going? And he's cracking jokes. And then he's cracking jokes. And he goes, and he goes, who on this ward is the biggest, who's the bull goose loony? Because I wanted, I wanted to be me. I love you know? 50s phrases. For sure. <laughs> They're absurd. What, who's the big guy? You know, the bull goose loony. Like, the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> or he says, he keeps saying bull goose loony. Yeah, but it's just what, like, wouldn't it be bull moose? It was maybe he's thinking what? of the biggest goose. <laughs> well, maybe like, isn't a loony also a type of bird? <laughs> it is, but it's definitely a not a goose. Yeah, like a loony is like the, the loony is what the they call Canadian dollar, money. The one dollar coin on it, though. I don't know. Maybe he's not too bright or something. Maybe he's saying the bull goose 
and the person is a loony because they're crazy. That could be it. So yeah, who's I like the so. bull? But the bull goose still doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't. But anyway, but he, it does fit with the theme of the book about flying over a cuckoo's nest and birds and shit. Ooh. Oh, maybe they're all actually birds secretly. Interesting. <laughs> yes, it's that's that's actually a cracked a wide open. <laughs> they're all birds, like an egg. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, fuck. And we're not yoking at all. <laughs> and their brains are all scrambled. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I talk about the different types of people on the ward. There's the there's the acutes, and then there are the chronics. Not Dr. Dre. No, nope. <laughs> he could be there. He is a doctor. <laughs> he is. <laughs> and that's actually something strikingly you don't, you don't missing f- from the book. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to forget about Dre. Motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so anyway, he learns about the different people on the ward, and he learns about how the ward is run. And the ward is run by the villain, of, clearly the villain of the whole book, Nurse Ratchet. Bitch face. Very much. Take um, old biddies. They talk a lot about that. They, they do, do talk about yeah. her take old biddies. And I couldn't understand if they were nice ones or not. I think I, I, I they think spent not. much of the book trying to decide if they were. Like, she was trying to hide them away, and they were just like, wonder what they're like under there. Man, you could motorboat those. But she's got a... She's, like, older. She's not yeah. young, and she's not beautiful, but she's got some gazongas. There's actually a funny word for boobs at some point in the book that I can't remember now, that, like, that kind of a dated thing, like, she had some big kahongas, gentlemen. Like, and you're like, <laughs> yes, yes, that was the thing, I guess we would say. <laughs> But she rules through fear. Through fear. And through fear and, manip- and manipulation and she's boredom. This Machiavellian bitch. Yeah. And she's like truly just awful. And it's really uh, throughout the... Int- I mean, they're, they're in a hospital. I mean, it's a mental hospital. But there is no healing going on. It is really just all about Nurse Ratchet. She's just, just controlling to, uh, everyone and... Keep everything in orderly. Having the power. But, but orderly, she wants everything to be orderly, but yeah. orderly is really just an excuse for her to control everyone. Yes. But that's her excuse. I just want it orderly. And she is just a really mean, awful person. And, you know, uh, some of the things they do is they, they just a couple times in the book, the, the, the acutes, they sit around in a circle and just talk about their, you know, talk about their problems and their issues. And she's just really looking to make people angry. And she has them rat each other out all the time. Well, we should just, yeah. do, cl- do we clarify what's the difference between an acute and a chronic? The acutes are the ones that are theoretically curable still. Yeah. And the chronics, like Chief Bromden and the like catatonic guy and stuff, yeah. they are the ones that there's no hope there's for. There's also the third category of the vegetables. But I thought they fall into the chronics. Yeah, I guess like a, it's like a 2B. They're, they're hyperchronics. Anyway, Nurse Ratchet is like very, very evil. She, I believe, or at least I made the association with uh uh, the character from Harry Potter, uh, oh, Umbridge. Umbridge. I, I I would say. I mean, I don't know if this was intentional, but I definitely thought uh, Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter is definitely similar to Nurse Ratched. Without any magic, though. Yeah, without magic, but just in overall general tone and Same character hair. type. She does just kind of enjoy busting motherfuckers down. She likes to break people. Mm-hmm. And the thing you were saying a second ago about having them rat each other out—that's what passes for therapy. When people snitch on each other, and she just like writes it in her logbook, and she's like, "Oh, as we were discussing in last week's meeting, uh, apparently so and so masturbated in the shower," and then they all like, "Yeah, I saw it," and they just fucking make and that someone guy wanted feel to like, fuck their sister. They make them feel like garbage, and that's somehow to make them feel better. But that's kind of explained a little bit because there's the they kind of re- return to it over and over again in the book how quickly they adopt therapies and then discard them. Right, like they mentioned the hydrotherapy thing that nobody uses anymore. They say, mm-hmm. "Oh, nobody ever really uses electroshock therapy anymore. Nobody lobotomizes anymore." Well, they do. Well, yeah, they here. do. I know, but but that's that's a good example of like yeah. foreshadowing slash really burying the lead with the electroshock stuff and the lobotomy stuff. So then, um, but they mention a whole bunch of therapies that have been tried and used. Like they mentioned, like screaming therapy at one point, <laughs> and they just yell a lot. And again, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> like that's stupid. As if these these uh, you know doctors, whatever they're doctors of, uh, whether you know psychology or whatever, they are just kind of trying crap out and using these guys as experimental. Uh, uh, See what works. Pretty much subjects. Yeah. As opposed to uh, well, participant, I think is the technical term for it when you do an experiment on a human versus an experiment on like a gerbil. But I don't remember. But Chief Bromden is the narrator, and he cuts between two very distinct types of narration. There's a kinds where he's just kind of gross detail what he sees and what's happening. And then there's times on when the it's... On the ward. On the ward, yeah. And there's the times when he talks about what he sees. And he's fucking crazy. Yeah. 
like bananas. And and he, oh, that smells fantastic. He constantly describes things as being covered in a fog. It's like a... Sometimes the fog like, is so thick you can't move. Yeah, like like art, like war fog that they use to like cover themselves so no one can see. And he talks about like being in the war and covering all the airfields so enemies can't find them. And therefore, this beer is called Cloud, Cloud City. City. And it is a hold on, we get it because we couldn't do the novelization of Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> this is a hop mango dreamsicle cider. That sounds... I don't know why it says Alabaster District. I don't know what that's about. But and it says ingredients... Is that a section of Cloud City? <laughs> I hope so. Perhaps. Ingredients, New York apples, mango, Azaka hops, milk, sugar, and vanilla. That sounds so fucking good. It's, it smells pretty, pretty amazing. I would like to get a candle that just smells like this and light it so I can feel, you know, nice. I have never been so disappointed in a flavor. It's still too tart. It's vibrant. This this, company, this shit will wake you up. Yeah. This so this company that makes cider, and the company's called Graft. I mean, they make. I mean, they make you know hard cider, but it's just so sour and so really, tart all really the time. Tart. And if it just didn't have that, it was this would be so good. I would like to open a can of this and pour it out into a bowl and then leave it on a table and just <laughs> absorb the smell and not have to drink it. If you get if you get get past the tartness, there is something sweet in there that tastes pretty there's, good. There's but plenty sweet. But I get the vanilla is, for sure. So uh, a lot of other stuff going on. It's just really hard to get to that other stuff. If you if it's one of those ones where it's like aftertaste is tart, but if you keep going, it's all right. Because I really taste. I don't know what a dreamsicle is, but I fucking taste it. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking know it tripping <laughs> balls on this beer. <laughs> you know it when you taste it. That's dreamsicle. This also works because he's describing his dreams, and this dreamsicle is like the dreams because it's interesting but also unpleasant. Sure. So Chief Prompton <laughs> describes the fog, but he also describes this other thing that he sees, he alone sees, and that's the combine. Yes, well, he's actually well, referring is, to yeah. society itself. Yes, just the way but it's not when, clear right away what that it is. It isn't. Uh, so he tells these stories that are like flashbacks for him about when he was a kid and then sort of on the Indian reservation, and the people from town keep coming to visit his father because his father is chief, and they want to buy it. Basically, they're trying to convince... They're trying to Dawes act his ass. Yeah, they're trying to... Uh, that's a deep cut right there. Thank you. Thank you, history degree. <laughs> they're trying to convince, you know, uh, Chief Bromden's father, the other other Chief Bromden, I guess. No, he wasn't... Mr. Actual, Mr. Bromden. Actual, yes. Well, he, the actual he, chief... He took his, he he took took his wife's, wife's name. name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so trying to in uh, trying to convince him to sell the whole place, because what they want to put it... What do they want to put up a dam? And when the townspeople come to visit, you know, the Indian village... They just think of them as stupid. You know, they don't understand anything, and, you know, they live like savages. That's still what they think. Even though Bromden, I mean, this is the young child Bromden still clearly understands how dumb these people are. And he just talks about, like, society itself coming to, like, take away everything from you. He keeps calling it the combine. But he sees it as a real thing. Like, he's like, every once in a while, like, you see the wall peel away. And the gears are turning, and there's fucking catwalks and people walking around moving it's shit. It's like the, the machine that controls the Earth. Yeah. But like all of society and Earth is an actual machine that like just keeps churning along, and just that is the thing that fucks with you. Yeah, it's menacing. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's what super that, it was ominous, that, that word. Thing. It was that word evokes, you know. Yeah, definitely. And he, I mean, he's you could argue about society being a thing that works against individuals or against peoples or whatever, but to see it as a machine doing it... And to, 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 to literally see it as a machine. And to see <laughs> individuals pressing buttons and working gears, you're like, you know, he's kind of actually insane. Or, well, I think he's diagnosed as a schizophrenic, but I really don't know what schizophrenia means because in like, TV schizophrenia, is like when you have split personality well, disorder, they, which is not real. They've changed that. Schizophrenia in pop culture used to be multiple personalities, but it never really was. It just It's like, yeah. we just decided that. Schizophrenia is like when you see and hear things that aren't there. Oh, well, then he definitely like, is that. Like, um, the guy from Beautiful Mind was schizophrenic. Oh, yeah. He was, like, seeing people and hearing things that were just decidedly in his own brain. And he liked math. He That's crazy, loved, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> you have to be crazy to love math that much. Yeah. And stupid. So, uh, that beer really is our way of tapping into Chief Bromden's uh, looniness. Yep. You know, it kind of grew on me. I kind of like it. I thought it was cool because it's like... It's different. Well, uh, totally. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting literary technique to have the narrator who is... Much about the beer. 
not is unreliable, but unreliable because they are mentally ill, to use the appropriate mm-hmm. term, not to say crazy. Um, I don't know of an earlier book that does that. I'm sure there are, but I don't know of one. And certainly I can't think of one as popular as this. Mm-hmm. I guess technically Catcher in the Rye, because Holden Caulfield's definitely got some mental issues. He's That's more ten. of a dick. Mm, maybe. He's not actually schizophrenic. Well, no, but he's he's also not a reliable narrator either because of his mental fucked upness. Can't think of any other ones. I'll try. So Nothing anyway, old, but recent ones, yes. Yeah. So uh, recently, but this book is fucking 56 years old, yeah. you know? So that's, you know, quite a while ago. Anyway, back to McMurphy, right? Yeah. Because McMurphy, he comes in and because he comes into the ward and, and he definitely wants to, he's looking to just have fun. He's looking to sort of con some money off of the other guys, but he's also looking, he's kind of looking to be their leader or he's looking to, because all the other people on the ward are so just meek and so docile. Just docile and They've been beaten down. Ground down by uh, Nurse Ratchet. You know, there's uh, Billy Bibbit. Is that his name? It's fucked Bibbit. up. He has the stutter. He has the stutter, and <laughs> he, he has a name that sounds like a stutter. There's no way uh, he could pronounce that name. And then there's what? Harding? Harding. and uh, Cheswick? Cheswick, yeah. And each of Martini. them... Martini. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And each of them has their own, like, issue... But each of their issues, and we're, this, I'm okay. I'm going to get into like what the book is about. About the book is about sort of like society keeping you down. Obviously, like uh, Chief Bromden, but it's also definitely about the feminization of society and that being bad for men. That it's like there was. A, I thought, in my interpretation, that was a major theme in the book, where it was Nurse Ratchet represented as the woman with really large breasts. But she's the one, you know, nice. that, but she's, she's the not one allowing as men completely, to be men. she's not allowing men to be men. And each of the other, each of the other men on the board, like Harding, he's smoking hot wife. His wife is really attractive and that makes him feel incredibly inadequate. But he's also clearly a closeted gay man. <laughs> like that's what's hinted out throughout the whole book is that Harding, or at least what Nurse Ratchet hints at is that he's closeted homosexual and that's his mental illness is that he can't help that. That's the vibe I got. That she, like, there's all these things about how he can't perform as a man and how he has these hands that dance around all the time. He <laughs> makes these gestures mm. and he's so delicate and he has these beautiful hands. Like a man shouldn't have beautiful hands. McMurphy has ugly, rugged man hands. That's harped on, actually. He's like dirty, calloused hands and Harding has these delicate piano fingers that he can't, unless he pinches them between his knees, he can't help but flutter around the room with them. Mm-hmm. And his wife flirts with every fucking man in the one scene when we, we see her. Yeah. Uh, and Billy Bibbit, he's like young. I mean, he's like 30. He, he says he's 30 or 31. 31. Thing, but he's so, he's so just insecure because of his stutter. Well, it's, it's, he can't revealed, mother it's revealed later that these guys are all in there voluntarily. Like yes. They've committed themselves. Because they feel they, they can't handle society or that society has you know, beaten them down so bad. His and then they get so Nurse terrible. Ratchet. Yeah. And there's also, to, to support your theory, though, I don't know if I agree 100% with it, but there's language about Nurse Ratchet castrating them. Like, they say mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah. oh, she's cut, got your balls. She cut your balls off. And then later and on... And actually dies that way, right? He cuts his own balls off, yeah. doesn't he? Ch- was it Cheswick? Cheswick, I think, yeah. Kills himself by cutting off his balls and bleeding to death. But then there's also, they reference lobotomy, and they say the lobotomy is like cutting your balls off, but for your brain. Your brain balls. <laughs> yes, yes, your brain balls. There is also a line where McMurphy says, we are all victims of the matriarchy. And it's what he says about the, 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 the ward in general, right? Because it's yeah. all the women that run it. Mm-hmm. There are male doctors who are absentee you know, ruling it. You know, and they are still under the thumb of Nurse Ratchet, and they really just do what she wants. Because they know that if they don't, they'll get transferred somewhere worse. Just That's like what she patients. threatens them with. Yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah. send you to the disturbed ward. That's what she says, where you go to the disturbed ward. beat up. I don't know if I agree with that, if that's the only thing that the book is about. I certainly see that as... Well, uh, there's more to it, but it is also in general about society closing you in and and not letting you be the person you want to be. I mean, that is for sure, but in this book, it is also about women, sort of society becoming more woman-focused or woman-in-charge, and that is making men be less who they want to be. I will say he wrote the book in like 1960, 1961, 
the feminist movement that we associate with the 1960s really hadn't started yet. So what's he responding to? Because he's not like he's an old man writing. Either he's an extremely sensitive person to sense like, hey, I feel like women are getting a little more active in the workplace in 1958, 1959. Or, or, or what else would he be responding to? Because when we think of all like now and all that kind of second wave feminism of mm-hmm. the 60s, that didn't really start in 1960, 1961. There was a little bit. Sure, a little bit. But unless he, like, was he, like, well, taking a woman's If you're the kind class? of guy who would, like, write a book about something like that, you'd probably take little bits as big things. Uh, perhaps. Like, people who freak out about little things. Like, baby steps are the initial steps of everything that I know is changing. I don't like that. Well, that's fair. I just also think he's a very young guy to think like that. There's plenty of people that young that are exactly like that. Sure, I guess. Even now. I guess I mean I don't know if you ever said anything about reading the book, but that that that's not the thing. I just it's not saying it's wrong. I mean, I, just, I, I, I think, honestly uh, I find never that... thought about this until you said it. I didn't have any idea that it was about. I was like, okay, I could, I could I could see it. Like I, I don't. I think I came up with this myself, my own interpretation. I think it's it's a valid interpretation. I know. Sure. I read I read the book a couple years ago. I saw the movie before that. I learned about it before. Maybe I. I uh, maybe think... I did was maybe I was told about this interpretation and I just kind of remembered to read into it like this. I actually can't remember. I think it's a more valid interpretation than some other people's interpretations of other books where it's like, this is clearly about this, you know, there's a metaphor for the fall of the communist revolution in 1920s Sarajevo. I made that up. That's not a real thing, but like, it's like a clear, like a completely <laughs> bizarre thing. Like what? But this is like, okay, that, that makes sense. It could be I it's stronger than just a fan theory. Yeah. I thought it was actually much more about, I, I thought an important part of it, I should say, not much more, but an important part of it was about race because Mm. The majority of the characters are white, but there's some characters that are referred to exclusively as the black boys, Those even the, though they're grown men. They're the orderlies. The orderlies. The but actually, there are orderlies that are white, too. So the, the black orderlies get were cold. There? There's occasionally... I thought, I thought there were only the three. That they, she, uh, so, at certain scenes, there's extra guys. I mean, there are nurses. I mean, they're all nurses that are white, but the black boys specifically refer to the most... Not subservient. The, the ones that, the most, that do the most of Nurse Ratchet's bidding, yeah. you could say. So there's the black boys. And then the fact that the narrator is half Native American cannot be an accident. Mm-hmm. That seems way too purposeful. Like, why do you make him a, you know, giant? Why is he six foot eight Native American guy? Who, to all characters, they call him Chief Bromden because he looks Native American. It's not like they're being particularly reverential to his heritage. <laughs> That can't be an accident either. And also just like the ward, the starched uniforms, everything is white inside of the mm-hmm. ward. And I know I sound like right now like I'm in the fucking most liberal of college colloquiums right now. Like, but what about the white uniforms? But everything is white They're except for the black white. characters, McMurphy's red hair, hmm. and Chief Bromden. It's about communism. I don't think it's about communism. It's like the red, it steps red out. He's hair. different. He's distinct. Right? He's seeking to disrupt... I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) You fucking dick. Let's have another beer. Yeah. Maybe this is the most serious discussion we've ever had. Michael, maybe it's a red herring. A red herring? (laughs) Uh, That's McMurphy, yeah. I'm going to have to try to do the advice given on this can. It says, keep your chin up. This is from McKellar NYC. This is an IPA made with IPA ingredients. I can't read the can from here. <laughs> made with real IPA parts. Made with IPA. So this applies... With I, P, and A. All of the above. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't say. This has to do with two elements in the book. One, the keep your chin up part. Like That's the attitude the characters kind of adopt in some respects. Mm-hmm. But there's also a great scene in the book, and also it's actually in the movie, where McMurphy wants to watch the World Series. And he's like, yeah, when I was in the cooler, they'd bring out the TV and we'd watch the World Series and it'd be great. Everyone watched the game. So he asked, he asked Nurse Ratchet, can we watch the game? Because like, the TV time doesn't correspond with the broadcast time or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're only allowed to watch it at a certain time. Yeah. And that's the time for like the news. And- so he's hoping to change it. And she's like, all right, well, let's take a vote. Well, ultimately, gets to the point where they say, let's take a vote. And he gets all, nobody, originally nobody votes for him. They all kind of like, yeah, that's a great idea. And she's like, okay, let's vote. And nobody raises their hand because she's got their balls. Then later he gets everybody to vote and they do it again. He gets, he gets her redo it. He gets everybody to vote. And she's like, oh, everybody here in the meeting, it's like nine guys or whatever the number is. And the nine of them raise their hand. He's like, there it's, you go. It's, he gets 20 of them and there's 40 people. Yeah, it's total. half. But she's like, all right, I got everybody in the meeting. He's like, there, success. But there's actually 40 people in the ward. 
And he's like, but you can't count the fucking vegetable guy. <laughs> Are you kidding? All me? the 20 vegetable guys. Like, that guy can't do anything. Like, the, the one guy they talk about him being like nailed to the wall. Yeah, I was really, yeah. I was really not understanding what the fuck they were talking about there. I, I think there's, that there's definitely some Jesus symbolism in this book. For he's, sure. He's nailed to the wall the whole time. He's pissing on himself. That's the Jesus part right there. Oh, so yeah. he's, he's like, are you fucking for real? <laughs> like, that was a dirty trick. And she's like, sorry, voting's over. Numbers, bitch. Voting is closed, yeah. And uh, even he even goes over to one of the... He goes to Brom- he gets Brom- 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 ...and gets him to raise his hand, even though he's still pretending that he can't hear. He's still deaf. He's oh, we actually we skipped some two important things. In the beginning, McMurphy's like, I bet, because he wants to bet on things, I bet I could piss off that fucking nurse so much. Make her break. She'll fucking want to quit in the first week, and everybody bets. But then... He goes up to the when he's going oh, around. Is he make, talking about Ratchet? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But in the beginning, when he's going around making the acquaintances, he goes up to Chief Brom and it's like, "Damn boy, how big are you? I bet you could have played football or something like that." He said, "I think that's in the movie." He says that, but in the book, it's something similar. And then that night, uh, he causes a commotion where he doesn't have to take his medication because he doesn't want to take the pill, or he tricks them, or something mm-hmm. like that. And he he gets Bromden's pill and he offers him the pill, and he's like, "All right, you don't want to take it? We're all right, don't take it." And then Bromden's kind of getting ready for bed because they're roommates or something. And he says, oh, the, the black boys are coming. And Bromden jumps into the bed and pretends to be asleep. And then McMurphy laughs to himself. And he's like, man, you should have seen how fast you jumped. I thought you were supposed to be deaf. Like, he figures it out right away yeah. that Bromden's faking it. Because they're sharing a room. Well, it's also, I think the element is like a con man kind of recognizes another con man element. Mm-hmm. And even though there are different kinds of cons. Can't play a player. Exactly. That's, I, think that's, that's, I think that's in the... Is that the I think that's is the that book Exodus? of Job. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Leviticus 21? Yeah, I think so. Thou can't not play a player? I think I believe that is what it is. Uh, paraphrasing. <laughs> so those are two things I think were just important to state because they kind of set a lot of the other tone for their relationship throughout the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. So sorry to cut you off. Uh, yeah, so he, he tries to get, you know, he gets one more person to vote. And it was uh, Chief Brompton. She goes, nope, voting's closed. And he's like, I'm going to get her. I'll bet you guys, everybody, I'll bet you it was like $10. It was like $1. Which it was a lot of money. Which was, was like sort the of GDP of, of some then. countries in 1960. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like a decent amount of money, but it's like, I give me two weeks or give me 10 days or something like that, and I'll get her, I don't know, exactly. And her little dog, too. Kind <laughs> of. Get her goat. Or get something. Her, yeah, some weird old-timey phrase. I don't exactly know how off. you measure that or get her to lose her Well, he, sa- like he that. says that you guys can decide if I've won or not. Like, we'll leave it up to you if I've really mm-hmm. fucking pissed her off enough to make her break. You know... What do, we, what do we think of this? Oh, the beer. Uh, uh, it's fine. I like it. Pretty sweet IPA. I enjoy it. Pretty sweet. I picked the four-pack of this up when I bought my the keg. <laughs> I was like, I can't go home. Because the keg wasn't enough? Well, because the thing is, you, you can't drink the keg instantly. You have to like, settle <laughs> for a little while. And I was like, I need to drink something tonight as well. Well, let's talk about that fishing trip. So this was uh, McMurphy's big plan, that he's going to show all the guys a good time. Ew. Uh, not that way. Well, sort of that way a little bit, but not himself. Uh, he was going to like do something fun for everyone by organizing a fishing trip for all the all the acutes uh, on the ward. Catch that some fresh snapper. <laughs> <laughs> and first, he says uh, he asks Nurse Ratchet, "Oh well, and so and like who would go with you? Who would go, who would take you?" Um, and he first says, oh, yeah, all these two whores up in Portland. <laughs> and of course, she says no. And then a week later, he's like, oh, these two nice little ants I know from Portland, they'll take us. And, and then she says, yes, I don't even know why. And he organizes this whole thing, and he gets everybody to put up $10. For 10 people, 10 bucks. Yeah, and that's and that was supposed to was supposed to be what it was, and there's all this stuff. And those are some cheap whores. <laughs> and also, it was the uh, 60s. It was, it was 60. It was, yeah. <laughs> you know, it takes place in like 58 or something like that, or 59. That's uh, good whoring money. <laughs> and so, uh, eventually, they finally arrive, but there's actually only one prostitute instead of one, two. One prostitute comes to pick them up, and yeah. he's like, how many got all these dudes in this car? Because we need 10 people. And so one of the doctors at the institution sees the prostitute. He's like, I'm going to go on this trip. He's like, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, he's exactly. like, put the crazies in my car. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Was this uh, Spivy? Spivy. The guy who the whole time has been like the patsy doctor that, well, not patsy, but the doctor that Mc- Murphy is able to manipulate most yeah, readily. He's the dumbest one. Yeah. Is he the one who says like his, it looks like his face is pinched by how tight his glasses are? Yes. 
and, and McMurphy, ta- he, he takes McMurphy earlier in the book for their, their counseling session. And then they go in a closed room, they come out, and like McMurphy has his arm around him, and they're like, we went to the same high school together. <laughs> like, we're buds. Which is never clear if that's true or not. I guess it's it must 100% be. 100% not true. It's, it's just uh, flim flimmery. Yeah, you just... Oh, to use 50s lingo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hootenannies. Some serious boulder dash. <laughs> but yeah, McMurphy's able to manipulate this little bastard so easily. But he, the moment Ratchet turns on the dick-crushing beam... She just turns Spivy back into a puddle of man. But until she's that whore. <laughs> Ooh, well. Anyway. Hello. The so, doctor is in. So speaking Hopefully. of, uh, and so this beer is called There, there You Are, are <laughs> by Threes Brewing. Which is how many men that whore could satisfy at a time. Three. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, after much, <laughs> after definitely some uh, conflict about whether they can go and how they're going to get there, they actually finally go on the fishing trip. And everybody has a really great time. And they steal the boat. And well, they bring it back. Yeah, well, they, they bring it back, but they the leave the... The captain says, I need you to sign this waiver saying I'm not liable. And they said, yeah, okay, let's go into the thing, call the people. And then he comes back out, and everybody says, let's get on the boat now. He's coming back. And before the guy gets back outside, they take the boat away. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, so they're on the boat, you know, and so everybody's fishing, having a nice... T- so fishing, drinking beer, and fucking the prostitute. Are they fucking the prostitute? I thought they were just like... Oh, uh, somebody does. did, yeah. Billy does. He loses his virginity. He does when she sneaks Actually, back in. Actually, that was later. I think it's oh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just McMurphy. And it, uh, it might just be the movie. I don't, I I don't, I don't think he fucks any prostitutes on the boat. But I maybe I missed it. I don't know. I've missed I, things before. I think in the film version, it's a, like everybody... It's intense, yeah. yeah, the film version, it's, it's McMurphy on the boat. But anyway, uh, this is kind of an important scene because... All the guys suddenly they're like happy and having a good time, and they catch like the biggest fish in the world. And in herpes their... <laughs> from the whore—that's what they catch. <laughs> well, okay, the catch of the day. <laughs> but also, they're they're sort of like maybe not no longer sick, but their symptoms are kind of gone. You know, uh, and why are their symptoms gone? Because they get to do man things. They because they tr- fish, drink beer, and fuck the prostitute. And, and that, they have that, that makes uh, them healthy. They have that secret, like, on the DL uh, crazy guy who's, like, Swedish lord of fishing. And he, he believes he's very dirty, but he's not. He's quite clean. Oh, uh, what the rubber fuck? Du- they call him rubber dub. Yeah, rubber he's, he's always cleaning himself because he thinks he's dirty. There was a really funny joke when McMurphy meets him. McMurphy's going around shaking all the hands, and he holds out his hand at rubber dub, and rubber dub just looks at it and won't shake his hand. And McMurphy walks, around, walks away looking at his hand, he's like... Oh, how does he know what evil you've gotten into? <laughs> this is pretty good for 1962. Yeah. Jerk-off jokes. It could be fisting jokes. Well, who knows what he did <laughs> well, with that whore? Well, we t- forgot to talk about the uh, the black boys. Oh, yeah, there's some stuff fucked up shit there. This beer, though, real quick. Yeah. Interesting. It has, like, a sh- something about it. I'm not sure I dig. I mean, it's, it's just an IPA. Yeah. That's all it says. It, but there, it does have a slightly it, different it, flavor. It looks like a Newland one, but it doesn't taste like one. Like, if this said, like... Brett or something. It's not Brett, but there's like a f- somewhat funky kind of flavor in there that I don't recognize. Yeah, a little bit. It's a cool beer, but I don't... Uh, there's something a little strange in there. They call it that because everyone spends a lot of time wondering what the flavor is, and when you get it, you're like, there you are. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, it's beer. <laughs> there you are. Oh. Fair enough. Oh, the thing you're talking about with the black boys is with the Vaseline? That you were talking Very about? beginning of the book, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, ooh. Or when they're like inspecting his butthole. Well, there's a part where they get to like they have to do something with like one of the catatonic guys, and the nurse leaves the three orderlies alone regularly with the catatonic man and the jar of Vaseline for a long time compared to what whatever it is they're supposed to do. I think this was, this was the, I think this was it because I remember reading it recently. I don't know what the fuck else I would have read this in, but when they're talking about the whore walking through the halls of the asylum, they said they heard catheters popping out everywhere. Yeah, it was this book? That's actually when the prostitute first gets yeah. to the place. And they're just like Jesus, that is yeah, a graphic. Like, <laughs> Whoa, is that yep. is that true? Did that happen? Is that how it works? <laughs> but the Vaseline comment, I definitely didn't catch the first time I read this book. If you were they all just like either. bang the catatonic guy? That's what it sounds yeah. like. They're fucking the catatonics. They're pulling a Kill Bill. Oh, but oh God, that's the beginning up. of Kill Bill. I know it. Yeah. I know. It. I'm Buck, and I came here to fuck that part. Yeah. No, that's oh. They just fuck the catacombs. And, the, and really the nurse is around. okay with it. And the nurse is basically looking the other way, as if she's like okay with it, because they're going to do my bidding everywhere else. It's like that's what they get. 
they do what I say because I, I get to do bang that. this catatonic guy in return. Well, to go back to the racial theory of this book, if the moral is that women allow black men to fuck catatonic white men in the ass, I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, that doesn't. I don't know. Seem, I don't know if it's like a metaphor. Anymore. I don't know what not it adds quite, to my theory. Not quite <laughs> but that emblematic. Scene, I was like, oh, I don't know what to make of that. Not quite emblematic of the race issues of the '60s. <laughs> no, but it was like that scene. I have no idea what to make of that, except to maybe just show that, or just to highlight how little help and healing actually help happens at this place. Just and how There's zero healing. Just how horrifying it was to be there. Which is, from what I understand, pretty true. Like mental health institutions or insane asylums. I forget. I think that's what they call it in the book, right? Especially back in the day. Yeah. Were fucking awful. Yeah. I guess it's only JFK. Didn't he have like a sister with some sort of mental health issue? Yeah. yeah. Rose so his, Rose, he, his sister, this is, I think it's an, I think it's a younger sister, but... She she had I I don't know exactly what it was but at some point when this girl was a teenager her parents this is like Joe Kennedy and they they opted they were, be they were recommended you're right they were recommend they recommended that she get a lobotomy because they were told that would fix her that would make her better and of course it didn't she actually just you know became was probably even vegetable. worse almost sort probably of something like that yeah broken person a, a walking vegetable yeah so they get back and Nurse Ratchet is clearly angry. But only this thing about Kennedy is that up until Kennedy's time, like he kind of helped shine some sort of helped lead to some form of reform for mental health institutions in the United States. Because mm-hmm. before that time, it was very much one of those things that you're like, "Ooh, we don't talk about Uncle So and So in the mental institution." Mm-hmm. And even into the seventies, like who was that fucking vice presidential candidate who had gotten like electroshock Eagleton. therapy? That they were like, "Oh, you got fucking, you're fucking nuts. I won't vote for you." Yeah, he had to get to, taken off the vice presidential the ticket and put on they put on somebody else. But that's what I was just saying. Like at this point, when the book is written, when the book takes place, like mental health. We don't even use the term mental health at this time in history. It's just mm-hmm. like, you're fucking crazy. Crazy people. Looney bins. Yeah. You go to the asylum. Like an asylum is a place where you seek safety. But you seek safety from the outside world. Right? So the mental asylum this is... This is to keep them away from us. But it's, it's for them to be safe. Mm-hmm. They're away from everybody else. Under because control. they're dangerous. Strapped, strapped down to something. So uh, they, everybody, they get back from the fishing expedition. And it's clear that Nurse Ratchet is really mad. Because she's losing her control. And so... There are a couple of things that happen, but the main thing is, is that McMurphy hatches another plan, but this time it's to get the, uh, the prostitute to come back in the middle of the night because Billy, they want Billy Bibbit to finally get laid. That's kind of the plan. And they're going to make a big party out of it. And, uh, and so they do. They and this bribe one of the older orderlies. Yeah, they bribe one of the older orderlies, and she they get her in through a window in the middle of the night, and she brings alcohol. I and forget, another prostitute. And another prostitute, the other one that was supposed to go the first time, but, but she, she got, was she married. She had gotten married, and then she left her husband yep. within that week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, so she's back to the, uh, back to the grind. So do you, you get tired of finding worms in your food and, and toads in your underwear or something. What, what, what the fuck? This, this dude... Who apparently she was married to was a backwoods fellow. Not a character in the book, yeah, backwoods fellow who just you know always had like a mouse in his pocket and <laughs> like literally that was the that's like the line. It was very was, strange. Yeah, yeah, very weird. Anyway, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. So the two the two new prostitutes, no, the same prostitute as before, and her friend, they like sneak into the window in the middle of the night and they basically are having a party on the board. They get um, shit faced on get entirely. They mix vodka with basically like robo tripping. It's like cough syrup. Yeah. yeah. It's like scissor. Yeah. They're just like, oh, this is pretty bad. We better, better cut it with a vodka to make it more tolerable. <laughs> Everybody's having a great time. And then... Ludwig gets laid. He does get laid. And then sort of the next morning, everybody, and this is like, you know, because the party's like going all night. And so clearly, you know, it's, it's the next morning and everybody gets found out. Um, everybody's incredibly either really drunk still or hungover. Well, they're, gonna make, they're making a plan so that they could say that McMurphy escaped. They're going to tie, oh, yeah, gonna tie gonna up leave, the yeah. orderly. And like get him agreed to get tied up, and then like leave the door open and say, "Oh, he tied him up and he ran away." It's like, uh, that's a good plan." He says, "I'm just gonna lie down for a minute because I'm really fucked up and I'm drunk, so I'll do that when I wake up." And then he oversleeps, and the whole plan is ruined. Yeah. So, nice job. so at that point, McMurphy could have escaped. That's an important thing because right about what happens to him next. There's Ratchet comes in, and she is like so pissed. And what she does, she what she does is basically starts yelling at Billy, at Billy Bibbit. 
and she says like, oh, your mother is going to hate this. That I'm, when I tell her about this, she is going to be so angry. She's going to be so disappointed in you. And where he was like happy before and no longer stuttering, as soon as Nurse Ratchet starts threatening him, he, he, this stutter comes back and he becomes incredibly upset. And then he leaves and slits his own throat. He doesn't want to let his mama down. Yeah. You know, what was... I, I don't know what the exact duties of a nurse was in 1960, or even, quite frankly, today. Like, ver- and not to say, like, I don't know what a nurse does, but it seems like she's administering treatment to people that I would expect a specialist to do. I feel like the do. roles have changed dramatically. Also, yeah. it's a mental health place, so they're just like, none of this is real. Let's just try shit out on the crazies and lock them up. That's so. probably fair, yeah. And she clearly was all about just control. And she ran the place, even though she was just a nurse, but partly because she controlled the doctors, too. Right, yeah, I mean, like, it, theoretically, she wouldn't actually have... A nurse would not have been running it, but she'd been there so long that she was just de facto ruler. And any doctor who stood up to her, she pressured out. Yeah. And the pussy doctors left behind, she would, they would just do what she wanted. So she wanted this person to... I guess... I guess Implicit is if she wanted this person to get shocks, then the doctor would say, we need to give this person mm-hmm. yeah. shock therapy. Well, they have that whole scene of the meetings where like, they start presenting diagnoses, and she's like, no, of course it's not that. And they're like, oh, well, yes, of course, you're right. I what was just suggesting maybe, but of course not. And they're all what, like just trying to please her. With the, the residents, right? Like the new, new yeah, the they, young doctors? Because they know that if, like, if she gets upset with them, they'll get shipped off to like, the alcoholic center or the disturbed center where the crazies will beat them up. Alcoholic center. That's that's what we were about. Maybe it's just sad though. I don't know. But doesn't he go to the the the, the there's like the Japanese nurse or something? She runs the disturbed ward, yeah. which is where. But she's actually not a dick. No, she's just you know there. I forget how we get to her. Huh? We, they get sent there after they have the scuffle. Oh, at the end of the book. Yeah. So Sorry. actually, right. So Spoiler. right after this, so Billy goes and he kills himself, and then uh, when everybody finds out, you know, minutes later, because all this happened in about like you know space of a couple minutes. McMurphy just goes nuts and attacks Nurse Ratchet, like he like uh, like uh, chokes he, her. Yeah, right? he chokes her. I think he, he rips, rips her, her sh- out, rips her shirt off. Yeah. Then they get is when do they get into the fight with the with the black orderlies? Well, it's actually right after this. Okay, so yeah. I think so. They, so yeah, Nurse, so so Murph, Rick Murphy attacks Nurse Ratchet, and then after then they throw all the guys, all the all the people who took part in the party. They're like, oh, your guys are gonna all go take a shower. You guys have to clean yourselves off, and all oh, the from they, the boat. You have boat vermin. It's not from the boat because oh, no, this is this is a week or two oh, later. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, and Four so, vermin, I think they have. Four vermin, yeah. Actually, it's probably what they what they meant. They yeah. might actually. Um, have so all it's like a group shower, and the black or they just get into a fight with the orderlies, and uh, this is one of the orderlies definitely gets hurt. They, they break one's arm. Like McMurphy gets into a fight with one, and Bromden gets into a fight with the other. Yeah, and they break one arm and like. Shatter a bunch of guy, the other guy's ribs because you can't fight a giant, giant man. It's not, no, it's not no, gonna work. Can't. It's not gonna work, well, especially one who's got like the brute, crazy strength. Where he's just been sweeping all day, pending up that combine sweet, rage, sweet muscles. <laughs> yep. And then immediately, uh, this is the part where McMurphy gets taken away. Right. Right. It's right after this. So with Bromden. He, with Bromden. So well, McMurphy's now attacked Nurse Ratchet, and now he's attacked one of the orderlies. And so this is when she is able to recommend. That he needs something much more severe. But doesn't he get shocks at some so point? So at first he this? gets electric shocks, and then it like he gets the electroshock therapy. But he seems to be recovering from it. He right. seems to be not. It doesn't seem to really be changing him at all. He's not like, broken by it. Yeah, he's not being broken by it. He still remains like, himself. Do it, oh, they do it to him a bunch, like a lot for like, like weeks, many times for like over and over and over again. And then, and that's like a very very short little part of the book. And then. He comes back again the final time, and he's not even recognizable. He's like a totally different person. He's got shocks. bruises in his eyes. Yeah, because he's had a lobotomy. They stuck a needle through his eye socket and scooped out his brain hole. Yep. And uh, yeah. So before we get to that, there's a point we should mention. He went to the, to the loony bin to avoid labor, to avoid the work farm. Yeah. And he did not understand that things are very different. It's not like, oh, you have a six-month sentence, well, you do six months here or six months there, that they're interchangeable. That, that at the asylum, you're at the 100% of the mercy of the, the people running it. And he only realizes kind of far too late that he has fucked up. And that's where this next beer comes in. Definitely. Uh, so this beer is called Hindsight. 
Because in hindsight, McMurphy shouldn't have done any of this. He should have just stayed right where he was. Pick them fucking peas, man. Yep. <laughs> it would have been fine. This is a double dry hopped India Pale Ale, and it's 7% alcohol, and it's by the Greenpoint Brewery. That must be in Brooklyn. Yeah. It is definitely in Brooklyn, yeah. Pretty damn hoppy. Yep. Very hoppy. I'm glad that breweries no longer give a shit about making their name match the beer, because it would make this podcast hard. Yes. <laughs> you know, like... Every beer doesn't have the na- have to have the name, just like just IPA or just like brown. Because I remember when I first got into beer when I was 21, now what, 10 years ago, actually I was about 19 and a half, but when I first... <laughs> we won't tell. When I was, you know, I looked 31 at the time, so it was fine. But they, you know, you go like, oh, Sam Adams was what I really liked. And every Sam Adams beer was like, oh, Sam Adams, black lager. Sam Adams, ale. brown ale. Sam Adams, double bock. I was like, oh, this is really cool because they all tasted so different. But now the name like sucked for this. So we'd be in shit. Sam Adams young. left shoe on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. There's at least a few Twitters where it's just random beer name generators that I found where they just spit out a bunch of words. And they're like, yeah, hobnailed goblin zombie. That could be a beer. Could be. Sounds could like be. something from KCBC. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So thank you for putting names like Hindsight, which... It probably means something, but I don't know what it means that it helps us to do this. You don't figure it out until later. Oh, you fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what it meant. Oh, uh, there you are. Yeah. yeah so in- It's also the name of the album on which uh, Baby Got Back is on. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Also, one thing we didn't mention in, that, in this book is that she knows he's not crazy. Oh, she, oh yeah. it's, it's like a it's like a power struggle for her. It's it's not it's about it's about she maintaining control of the dominance. War. And he's like, everyone's like, he's a psychopath. The narcissist kind of he's like, no, he's just a dick. Well, he's like, yeah, I'm a psychopath. They say because I fight too much and I fuck too much, Doc. <laughs> Can you cure me? Yeah, <laughs> I did have a right hard time not reading everything in Jack Nicholson's voice. Oh yeah, I wish I could. Even do though it. I hadn't seen the movie, I just like oh, I could see him doing. Yes, yeah, I mean he's not Chief Bromden. No, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wish I could do a better Jack Nicholson voice to do this, the ridiculous lines that he says. <laughs> There's one great line when he, I don't think it made the film, when he's trying to make the guys laugh and he's talking about Billy Bibbit. And he's like, didn't you ever hear about Billy Bibbit and the 14 inches? And the ladies fainted when it came out. And it's like, what is he saying? Billy Bibbit's is like, it's 13 and a half. He's like trying to join in. He's like, oh, Billy Bibbit. Like silly, ridiculous conversations he has with the guys. And I guess it does go into Nate's, Nate's theory of like the man talk, yeah, the locker room talk when he's like, let's grab that nurse by the pussy. And he <laughs> says these, oh, it's not, that's not locker room talk. It's, it's, I've heard. It's well, 2018, man. It's been described or 2019 now. Who knows what year it is? 2020. But he talks like, you know, just, just like hindsight. Yes, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, he you. describes himself in the very beginning as I fight too much and I fuck too much. It's like he's he's just too much of a man. He's just alpha bro, but he's not a bro. He's kind of kind of seems no, like a cool dude. He kind of seems like a dude you wouldn't mind hanging out with unless maybe. Like, but he might fuck your girlfriend once or actually. twice, and then after <laughs> yes. like the third time, you're like, I don't. This is not safe for me anymore. That's true. He kind of has to always take it to the next level. Well, he's in jail for he's in jail for uh, banging a, a kid for statutory. Well, he didn't go to jail for that, but oh. he was accused of statutory rape. But That's then the girl refused town. to testify. Yeah, and <laughs> he's like, say, and, he, and he's like, listen, doc. I had to sew my pants on. She was so into this dick. Yeah, like she would have, <laughs> yeah. she would have, she would have killed me by the time she was of age. <laughs> it's that awesome is a line. weird. That's a weird out. I don't know how I. Okay, no, he was very much in. That's oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why I would have died before she even turned eighteen. So okay, last last thing, last part of the plot. Okay, uh, Chief Bromden. When he sees that McMurphy, he's that he's been lobotomized and he's like totally gone. He waits till it's night and all the lights are off. And Bromden takes a pillow and suffocates McMurphy and kills him. Yep. And then Bromden, as like an act of mercy, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. As an act of mercy. And then Bromden, I mean, were you going to say something else? Did we ever mention when Bromden actually speaks to McMurphy? They finally start having actual They start talking and Mm -hmm. McMurphy's like, I knew you could fucking talk, Kimasabi. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically what he says, yeah. And and then, yeah, he, he talks about growing up. I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. But there's there's stuff throughout the book like where because Bromden, there are days when he can't stand. Like he's like, I couldn't get out of the chair. I just pissed mm-hmm. myself because of the combine or the fog or whatever. But and they put him on those crazy sleeping pills all the time too. Right. But once and they, they we, tie him into bed at night. 
Right, so he can't escape, but then he like he they, he starts to skip taking his pills because of McMurphy, and that's one of the things that makes him see things again. And in addition to McMurphy's attitude, or whatever, McMurphy, he, there's things where he's like, "Oh, I felt three inches taller after this thing mm-hmm. that happened." Like, I was starting to get like because he talks about how big the nurse is. She's the big nurse, and how big this thing is. Having, things are actually physically different sizes to him. As yeah, but he's, and he felt small. Strength. Yeah, everyone else looked big to him. But he's six eight, so fucking nothing is small to him. And and uh, Merc Murphy gets him back to his regular size. And I can't remember what, exactly how it's phrased in the book, but the movie is pretty good when he's just like when McMurphy gives him the stick of gum, and he's like, mm, "Juicy fruit, I like that." <laughs> and it's like, "You fucking can talk." <laughs> I knew you oh, could in talk. The, in the book, he says, thank you. Right. And he's like, oh, I got you. I was, I was talking to Nate before about this on the Beavis and Butthead episode. Mm. They watched the music video for Basket Case by Green Day. Oh, yeah. When they're all in the mental institution <laughs> performing. And then they're like, oh, isn't that that movie when uh, one flew over the caca's nest? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, then <laughs> and Beavis is like, oh, yeah. It's that one where they all just, that big Indian guy just talks about gum. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this one, and that's all I could think about the whole time reading this book was that stupid joke on Beavis and Butthead. So we actually have one more beer, yes. that we should do right now. Let's it makes sense because it. it's the last one. Yeah, this is also from Three's Brewing. Nate brought this. Yep. So this has this is for McMurphy at the end when he's both lobotomized and then dead. This beer is called <laughs> and then dead brain dead guy. <laughs> no, it is called Echo of Nothing. And it is by Freeze Brewing. It is a Mexican lager. What? That's what it says. Mexican lager. What the fuck does that mean? I think they mean it's like a Corona style beer. If I had to guess. So it's like not good? Well, just from a whiff of it, it does smell like a big lager kind of beer. It tastes pretty bueno. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes pretty caliente. <laughs> Whatever that means. It's hot. I somewhat. I, know, I, know, I was joking. <laughs> It doesn't taste hot at all. I was I was excited. No, it like, maybe it's spicy. <laughs> it's like no, it just it tastes like kind of like a basic Corona. Yeah, I somewhat gustar this beer. It's pretty <laughs> good. It tastes like a better version of Corona. I mean, we made yeah. this joke before. This is like this is the beer Corona wishes it was. This is craft Corona. I feel like mm-hmm. that. Which I, I don't think they're. Pre- that's not an insult against this. That's what they're going for. Clearly, they wouldn't yeah, call it well, Mexican there's, lager. There's no other reason they would call it that. Yeah, it's pretty good for what it is. This is a great. It's a, yeah, it's, hot it's, day it's kind of beer. Very, very basic, but still tasty. Has a little bit, a little Plen- bit of malt flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, just a. It tastes it's very quite, grassy. It's quite light. Like it looks, it looks very pale. It is like a straw color. Yeah, yeah. It is really, really light. Even Corona is like a vibrant pea color of yellow. Well, it's because that's what you're drinking is recycled Corona. Mm. It, it's been peed out of somebody else. So you don't actually, uh, you don't, you don't buy Corona. You just rent it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for the environment. There you go. Uh, so echo of nothing because well, he's, he's dead. not hearing anything anymore because he's <laughs> yep. dead. That's what it's. That's what his brain. <laughs> he's brain dead and then full dead. Yep. So after uh, Chief Bromden, uh, you know, mercy kills McMurphy. He then uh, escapes. Oh, but doing the thing McMurphy tried to do earlier in the book. Which is, oh, McMurphy had tried to do this before. Because so like, he's you know, a big, tough, strong guy, and he tries to lift a... It's the hydrotherapy t- box. Box thing, like stand. Some which, kind of big control panel terminal thing, which is like yeah. clearly a few hundred pounds or something. I don't know. It's yeah. big. And McMurphy like pulls at it. He bets money. He pulls at it, and he's in like... His hands are bleeding from gripping it. And everybody's like, well, you didn't bring that. And he's like, well, at least I fucking tried, bitches. But now he's dead in Bromden. Now Bromden does it. He heaves it through a window effortlessly. Because well, he's about he's a foot a taller. Giant. Yeah, and, and he's a monster. And, and he's gotten his, his strength back. He's gotten his height back mentally. And so and then he escapes out of the asylum, and then he hitchhikes to, what, Canada or something like that? And he, he, gets, he talks to, he hitchhikes, and he's able to actually speak to the person who picks him up, and he tells him some story. Like, he lies, like McMurphy. He says he was like a, he's an Indian wrestler. Oh yes, he's on the way to go wrestle something, but he he decides he wants to go back home, to where he grew up and see how the land is doing, and then he sort of escapes, and that's the end of the book. So Ratchet wins. Ratchet does win. Yeah, Murphy definitely loses. Yeah, Murphy loses. Make Murphy loses. I have I don't have any additional clarity, honestly, on what this is about. I think the idea of like men being 
emasculated mm-hmm. is definitely part of it. I, I think race has to be something there, but I just don't understand what it is, honestly. Uh, unless it's also like the combine is the system and it's also like breaking down the people who lived in this country, like the Native Americans or something. I, I don't really mm-hmm. know. But those those themes stuck out to me as I was reading this. Uh, I was I was going to say, also talk about... So this book came out in 1962, sort of, which is, you know, in the 60s, but still at the beginning of when the 60s were just starting to get crazy for America. And sort of, I think this book became famous because it has those themes that you know, the 60s counterculture really tried to live up to or really found important. Like the theme, like McMurphy, you know, the theme of, if it feels good, do it. Let it all hang out. Well, the individual. You know, and sort of, yeah, the individualism and being not, uh, you know, doing your own thing, which is what individualism means, but not being beaten down by society. Yeah, don't get, let the man don't hold get, you down. Yeah, exactly. Don't be, uh, don't be afraid to be a square peg in a round hole. And those are sort of big themes of the 60s. Also, even though I was just talking about, you know, the matriarchy keeping men down, what's funny is, so the, the prostitute, the whore, whatever her name is, she's a prostitute. That is lo- for long, long, for hundreds and hundreds of years been associated with really like, you know, being dirty, with being, you know, gross, with being, uh, you know, the bottom unclean, rung of society. Bottom rung society. But in this book, she brings... She's really pretty. She's really nice. She makes everyone happy, and she's and she's like a good thing for everyone. It's like in and because she's free sexually, you know what I mean. She and liberates this, them. She's sexually liberated, and that was also a key theme of the '60s. But could it possibly be that since Bromden's narrating it and he's not reliable, maybe she looks a little more old, trashy, whorish than beautiful and young and you know, clean looking. <laughs> well, if Bromden's... Because they haven't seen a woman that hasn't been a nurse in some time. It's true. Well, if Bromden's unreliable, then nothing in the book is necessarily what you think it is. But... True. You know, I just want to say, if you just take the narrative for... Um, if you take the what was written as, like, what it's supposed to mean, she's a good... She's sexually liberated, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Also important in the 60s. But all those things really don't happen until a little later in the 60s. I'm not saying this is why he wrote it. I'm saying this is why the book became popular. Okay. I'm, I'm, I see After it came out. So I wonder, what, but what the fuck was he thinking about? Because he wrote this when he was like 25 years old or something, like the 28 years old. I mean, it's, it's weird if, if that's the thing. Can it simultaneously be the feminization of man is destroying us, but also sexual liberation is the great thing that will save us? Can it be both? Those they two seem things like seem counters. to not go together. Yeah. They seem like I see what you mean. opposite wings of thought. Right, because like traditional man role yeah, is like, to oh, fuck be manly, but like let them be free also. That seems like 100% like what we'll be fighting against each other. It's a fair point. Maybe what makes this such a great work, because this is considered a really a great book, right? If you, mm-hmm. if you look at a list of great books of the 20th century of American literature, this, this will be on that list probably. Maybe because it defies easy interpretation and has such wide-ranging application could be one of the reasons why it's considered so great. Or two of the reasons, I guess. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I admit I have no... I did not get like a secondary... Like, what does this really mean? Because I, I never do, because I'm not good at that. Unless it's like really thinly veiled, like in Canticle, where it's like, oh, he just did his retelling history from later. But like this is like, oh, it's about something else. Like I, I never get it, so I, I'm listening to what you guys are saying. Yeah, that could be true. But I honestly never read that as the first time through. It was also my first time reading it, though. I mean, I read it twice. The first time I through, I read it really just, and I was like, this is a cool story, and I saw this movie a few years ago. And this time I read it, and I was thinking, like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's funny. There's entertaining stuff, but what's, what's interesting about it beyond that? And I, the one glimmer, one idea I had, I could not flush out, so I don't know if I'm very much better at it either. But I, I feel like the thing I said where it could be defi- explained multiple ways is such a bullshit English teacher thing to say, and I make myself sick having said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the beer. It's, it's that. Saying that makes me feel sick right now. Like the idea that maybe because it could mean anything, that's what makes it mean everything. Oh, oh. Like a oh, fuck you, Mister Smith, or like whatever your teacher's <laughs> name is. Like that's fucking horseshit. It means, it means something. Mean. No author is that good that they are like, you know what? I'm going to write a book, and I want it to mean seven things at once. 
And uh, they're all right. It means whatever it means to your heart. I Paul. fucking hate that shit. Like, it meant something to this guy. And I just, I feel like he could probably, there must be a way to figure it out. Since we can't ask him, he's been dead 17 years or whatever. And he probably did so much acid, he couldn't tell you what it meant either. He did a lot of acid. <laughs> but he wrote one other big book that came out in 1964 called Sometimes a Great Notion, uh, which he considered his greatest work. But that's kind of how it goes for everyone at Wonder. They always say, like, no, 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 that's not my best thing. My best thing was later. So I don't know if it's worth reading because it's like 700 pages. You've never heard Mambo number six? <laughs> <laughs> is, it just, is it just a different list of women's names? And it's about which one of them got herpes. <laughs> 114 red balloons is also pretty solid. <laughs> I don't know. I Actually, at the end of the day, whatever it means, I don't really care so much. Not to say it doesn't matter. But I personally don't care. In I thought it was way, a in fun, some ways it doesn't interesting matter. book. I really enjoyed it. I mean, that's a lot of the point is that you get what you want from it. You could be fucking wrong, but if you get something from it, that's cool. Totally, I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying anyone of us is right or wrong. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm saying I, it I don't know if it, anyone it, has does, to it doesn't matter if it's the correct version. If it's your, maybe sometimes it's like no, that's obviously untrue. But it's it can be whatever you make it to be. Fair enough. I agree. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.